Hey everybody, David Levenstein, 103.9 LI News Radio. We are back to business. If you are a professional business owner, please contact me at my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. That's my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. I have an empty seat in the studio for you to talk about your business and what it is that you have to offer all of Long Island. I know they want to hear from you. And so do I. You know how you do that? Go to my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. That's my email address, my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. And tell me who you are and what you do, and I'll get back to you. And uh, let's have a talk. Let's get you down here. Uh, my guest, obviously, um, because this is back to business, and the business at hand, not obviously, obviously to me, because I'm looking at who's in front of me. But to you, it will become obvious. I have Neil Himmelstein. He's the host of. Go ahead. The Main Street Code for Financial the Success. The Main Street Code to Financial Success. You can listen to every single Friday at 3 p.m. His website is Main Street Planning Group. Neil Himmelstein is the founder of this group. And tell people what it is that you do. So we're an independent wholesaler. We work with hundreds of advisors across the country in areas of life insurance, disability, long-term care, and annuities. So your job is to support the services of financial planners so they can better serve their clients. Correct. Right. So one of the tools that financial planners have, one of the arrows in their quiver they have, is Neil Himmelstein. Absolutely, 100%. So, And I, I actually find that comforting. I like, if I'm sitting in front of a financial planner, I don't want my financial planner to put his insurance hat on, then put his broker's hat on, then put his mortgage hat on, then put his accounting cap on. I want somebody to say, hey, these these are the people that I have on my team, and you're one of those team members. Absolutely, and you know, it's, it's important because it's completely non-biased what we do. We look right. at all companies, we work with every company in the United States. Um, your business has to be reviewed because the companies have changed quite a bit over the years. They continually change. So um, what was the best thing five years ago may not be the best thing today. Right. So it's all, all important right. that you stay up to date and know what's out there. Right. So, so if you want to learn about uh, different insurance products that are available to you, what I suggest is go to MainStreetPlanningGroup.com, MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. Contact Neil, and he will put you in touch with a financial advisor that works with him to help you meet whatever goals that you're looking to achieve. One of the other arrows in someone's quiver is an estate planning attorney. And uh, Neil was uh, very nice to introduce me to Paul Hill. That's H-Y-L. We just had a whole conversation about his Polish background. Paul Hill, H-Y-L. And his uh, website is hilllaw, H-Y-L-Law.net. HYLLaw.com. And what type of law do you practice? Elder law and estate planning. And explain the purpose of estate planning law. Uh, so estate planning law is not what people think where it's, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need to have a million dollars. I've got to be worrying about, you know, this legacy or, mm -hmm. or, or estate taxes. Right. Uh, sure, that's a part of it. Right. Uh, but everyone needs estate planning. I mean, because okay. what you're doing is you are getting to say, when you pass away, right. uh, you know where do your assets go, and and whatever those assets might be, I, do, I, I you know it, it could be ten thousand dollars, it could be ten million dollars. It's your money, right. uh, and you get but to this, control. But define assets. Assets doesn't mean investments or hard cash. I, it, it does, but it also means your house, your right. I mean, it accounts, doesn't just it doesn't just mean investments or hard cash. It, correct. It could be a house, it could be jewelry, it could be automobile, it could be business, it could be anything. I, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've had clients that uh, we've you're had, rocking back and forth in your chair. Stop. Don't move. Okay, there you go. I have had clients that we've had two pages worth of who gets what piece of jewelry. 
Right. Right. And and who gets who gets the trains from Christmas mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, it's deciding where you want your stuff to go. Right. And there there are times I imagine that people have assets, um, houses and things like that, and they have children who get married and then get divorced. And all these things need to be addressed because people go through life changes. They own a business, they sell a business, they buy a house, they sell a house, kids get married, kids get divorced, they got grandchildren, they get married. And these things need to be updated and changed, right? Correct. Right. So talk about that and talk about the relationship that you build with your clients so they can constantly remain in contact. I did it to myself. Constantly remain in contact with you. So I, my first meeting with a client, it could be a client who is you know, 18 years old. Okay. Right. Uh, or a client who is 108 years old. Right. Right. And uh, I, I meet with them. I go over their family situation, their assets, and, and we do their work, uh, whether it's the will, power of attorney, healthcare proxy, all these things. Mm-hmm. And then we stay in touch. Uh, I reach out to them on occasion through newsletters and emails. Uh, I, I always tell them, call me if you have any questions. Right. Because I have had. But con- you meet somebody at a young age, right? And I, then they get married. Correct. And then that's the time to sit down with you. And then they have children, and that's the time to sit down with you, right? Yeah, yeah. it's major events, changes in life, but right. it's also just time passing. Five, right. five years, even if you don't have a new kid or you don't get married or divorced, things change. And as people's wealth grows, they so need you. Correct. Right. And as their wealth grows and their resp- financial responsibilities go, they need Neil. Well, they need us both. Right. They need us both all the time because... As like you said, not only did life change and people change, products change, tax laws change. Mm. Uh, just look at what's going on now. It's 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 we don't know where some of these tax laws are going. But so how do you like Paul, so how, so how do you like Paul and myself? But how do you anticipate that change? Well, you can't and completely anticipate change what you can do is prepare for change. Ah. Prepare to be the best you can be and be in the best position. Right. Listen, I, I went to an Alzheimer's event last night, a, f- a fundraiser for Alzheimer's, and, and, and wow, what a it, it was just a revelation. Um, when I hear people talking about their 51-year-old uh, spouse. Early onset. And they're 50, and, you know, them going, you know, for a walk with the dog in 14-degree weather and not coming back for four hours. And the only reason they got back to the house, because they didn't know where it was, is because the dog knew where it was going. Hmm. Otherwise, they would be lost or frozen or gone and and this happens every day in somebody's life and not only does it happen to the person who has the alzheimer or the affliction but the caregiver so it's interesting dealing with this so what i'm thinking is so people need to be prepared for the unexpected absolutely right yeah and on the estate planning end i'll tell you that you know it's not just the will and who inherits when you pass away the other major documents we do for people are a power of attorney right where they're authorizing someone to handle their finances healthcare proxy and a healthcare proxy right and you know explain define healthcare proxy for the people listening who may not know sure a healthcare proxy is where you designate who's going to make your medical decisions for you if you were unable to right uh, and people say well my husband will just do it or my wife will just do it well yes if there's an emergency in the hospital you're in the ER you're unconscious yes they're going to listen to whatever family member is right, there, right, right? But beyond that emergency situation, there's still many other medical decisions that have to be made. There right. are not emergent that if you don't have capacity, you need to name someone to, to handle those. I mean, I've been to the hospital for a procedure, and the first thing the nurse right. asked me when I go in is, do you have a healthcare proxy? Right. And because, God forbid, you go into anesthesia and you don't come out of anesthesia, <laughs> you need someone to uh, to make those 
decisions for you or maybe to um, not make them for you, but uh, to um, oversee the decisions that you've made well, for yourself. You're right. right. Stand, stand in, the, in your shoes right. and convey to the doctors what, what you would have wanted if, mm-hmm. if they hopefully know that uh, or do what's in your best interest. I told my wife that God forbid something happens to me. Um, that her job is to stay bedside for me for the rest of her life. <laughs> you know, that you put whatever tubes I need, you keep them in, and this is where you go. You're not moving, man. I want you like the nice Italian wife with the dark veil sitting there forever. Mm-hmm. No, you know, and I want you to get mean and bitter and old. That is, is can I put that in my will? Uh, not really. I mean, if, if you don't go through that, is she still. Living with you, is she still going to get mean, bitter, and old anyway? Because she's got to put up with you, or no? Uh, probably. All right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I may not have a choice in that matter. Anyway, uh, in case you're first joining us, I'm talking to attorney Paul Hill. He has an elder and estate planning attorney. His offices, where is your office? Uh, so I have offices in Garden City, Lindenhurst, and Hopog. Lindenhurst and Hopog, and uh, and Garden City, if you are in Nassau County. It's Paul Hill. His website is Hill. It's H-Y-L. HillLaw.com. That's HillLaw.com. And of course, Neil Himmelstein, who is the host of the Main Street Code to Financial Success. His website is MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's the MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. And you can listen to him every uh, Friday at 3 p.m. as he discusses the importance of insurance in your portfolio. Uh, So we're going to talk about estate planning and elder law. Talk about elder law. Uh, so elder law is partly estate planning just when you're getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the same power of attorney healthcare proxy. Right. But it's also per- looking to protect your assets right. in the event you were to start to need any sort of long-term care, whether it's you know on the Alzheimer's end, as, as Neil was pointing out, or any other You're talking about Medicaid. Uh, Medicaid, correct. And, right. and you know, understanding the difference between Medicaid and Medicare, which a lot of right. my clients do not uh, right. when they first come in. Most, client, <laughs> most people don't. No, until you've had to go through it. Right. You know, why would you? Yeah. They don't know what Medicare covers and they don't know what Medicaid covers. And some people will never qualify for Medicaid, you know, because their assets will not allow them to, right? Uh, true. And then there's some people who think they will never qualify uh, because they think their assets are above the amount. But there's planning we can do. Right. Right. To shelter those assets, to protect the value of their home and other things. I know that in the state of New York, you can't have income of over, I think, $900 a month or something like that in order to receive Medicaid. But they do have something called a pooled pooled income, income trust, in, which we can transfer your money in, which will allow you to receive Medicaid. Correct. So as long as that money that's in the pooled income trust is going to benefit the person who is receiving the Medicaid benefit. Exactly. You could be a paralegal. I should hire you. Look at that. Look what I know. You know. You know where I learned this information from? Neil. Show. Neil. No, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's from Neil's show. So if you listen, to, see what I just heard, folks. I just really just defined it in the simplest terms for listening to Neil's show, and then from you as well. So explain then um, how the adult children of of uh, parents that need elder care and Medicaid planning, how they are involved in that whole process. So sometimes I'm contacted by the adult children right. uh, for, for mom and dad, and other times I'm, I'm contacted by the senior couple themselves right. you know, who want to come in. Uh, and I always welcome, to the extent that my clients are okay with it, the senior couple, I always welcome them to bring their kids for, so that the children understand. And when you say kids, we're I think talking we about need adult to, kids. I, I think as an adult child, we need to understand what our, pl- what our parents had set up in the event of things like what you went to last night, Neil, about the old timers, we need to know what's going on in their life before something, God right. forbid, like that happens. And while I don't disagree, there are, there are 
people who are very close to, you know, close to the vest, right? They don't want to share their financial information with their adult children for right. whatever reason. <clears throat> yeah, uh, right. And, and then it's, you know, then I, I make sure I take good notes and a good inventory of assets. <laughs> right. So if something happens, well, the kids uh, will know where to find everything. Neil, explain how you work with somebody like Paul. Well, I, I, I was just going to go there because I think it's very important that people build their financial team. Right. And if they don't have a financial team, uh, that they help someone. You know, it's sort of like when I had a medical condition years ago. Mm-hmm. I had I had something called sarcoidosis, which is looks like cancer but isn't cancer. It's an autoimmune, but all my different organs were affected. I don't know if anybody's going through that. But all of a sudden, they're sending you to a liver doctor, a can't tell you know, a kidney doctor, or this doctor, or that doctor. But I had the forethought, basically because I sought out advice, to seek that one doctor that would be kind of my quarterback. That would your general contractor, my general contractor, essentially, to guide me through all the different complications that I'm about to face, so that one doctor doesn't prescribe a medicine that's going to interfere with the other doctor. So I had one central information, and when you devise your financial team, you need somebody. You may have the best investment advisor, you know, he's doing great with your investments, but it's not talking about protecting your assets, so you need that insurance piece, you need the legal piece, and you need the accounting piece. You know, you, you make a, such a good analogy. Um, recently, I had this sinus infection, right? So before I can go on certain antibiotic for it or a cough suppressant or something, I had to check with a cardiologist who I'm on blood pressure medication for to make sure I can take this because it might affect that in certain ways, right? Correct. But, and the same thing with managing your finances. You may do something in your portfolio thinking this is a great idea, but your accountant may say, whoa, do you realize the tax liability you just put yourself in? So how do you guys then both work with bringing that aspect in? Well, I'll give you a classic example. So, um, you're growing up and you're doing financially well and you have a sure. business and you buy a house. And with the best intentions, you hire the best mortgage broker and the best attorney to, to fill in negotiations. Right. And life goes on and you get divorced. You buy another house or you buy an investment property. Sure. And you buy this. Well, you may have the best advisors for every piece of business and every transaction you've ever done. But when it comes down to the end game. Right let's say a death or, or a crisis situation, mm-hmm. I, I need care or something else, all these documents need to work together. Right. And this is why you need your team. This is why you need a great attorney like Paul. Right. And you need to update stuff because I see in my profession life insurance policies with the beneficiaries of their first wife or their girlfriend and it's 50 years later, right. they die, and it, it doesn't go by will, it goes by that contract. So the beneficiary in an insurance contract supersedes the will? Correct, right. Well, yeah, I got a will that says I leave everything to my favorite radio host, Dave. Um, but if I've got a beneficiary on my life insurance or my 401k or on my retirement accounts, Dave's not going to get it. Right. Well, we got to work on getting Dave, you know, into your <laughs> yeah. uh, into your language insurance. <laughs> exactly. Policy. I don't like that analogy. And, and that's why there's there's yeah. interplay, right? I, I like to speak to. But even with somebody's intentions, so regardless of their intentions, and you can and you can uh, you know take that to court and say their intentions were to leave it to me on the will that they made in 2021, but based on the insurance policy that they wrote in 1990, gone by contract. You're not getting it. Correct. Wow. So, and one of the things that that working with Paul and working with great... How many times have you seen it not jive? 
with a with a will, and the beneficiary doesn't jive every and day. And the IRA, and the four hundred one k, on their simple plan, on their life insurance, on their annuity, all these things, but it doesn't jive with the will. Well, of course, before they're my clients and they come to meet with me, I see it a lot, right? Right. Once they've become my client, yeah, you don't see that anymore because well, I've reached out. Yeah. So when people come out to you, when they first come to you, and you're saying, "No, who who are these people? What what's going on here? It's not working." And there's a whole other problem with wow. wills. Wills don't have to be filed, correct? Correct. Wills do not have to be filed. Explain that. With the state or the government. Before you pass away. Before you pass away. So you could do a will, okay? Then you could do another will. Right. And then maybe you can't find the will. That person's passed. They haven't told you where their will is. And then you get conflicting wills. Right. And then you got problems. Then you really pay the attorneys and the accountants, right, to figure it all out. That's correct. Litigation. So without planning, mm-hmm. whether whether you're worth, you know. And the executive of the will really has is just the person that carries out the request in the will, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they get appointed. They pay your bills. They collect all your assets. Maybe they sell the house. They pool everything but, together. But that's based upon the wishes as described in the will, right? Right, and they got to divide the money up to whomever you said in your will. Whoever you said in the will, and, right. And the executive, by the way, it's best not to have a family and, member. And Paul can speak better to this than that, has a fiduciary responsibility when they become an executive. And Paul talked to that because people don't understand, yeah, I'll be your executive, I'll do this and that, but there is a fiduciary responsibility you take on when you're appointed executive. Uh, correct, yeah, and with Explain that comes that. comes risk. So, uh, you know, if I'm appointed as the executor, my obligations to to sort of protect everything for the benefit of the beneficiaries, right? I can't give it to them right away. I've got to sell assets. I've got to pay bills, maybe. So here's an example. Let's say someone leaves a stock portfolio that's worth a million dollars, and your job is to sell those stocks and divide the assets among the uh, the beneficiaries, right? Correct. And you have to do it in a timely fashion. So you get the portfolio. It's a million dollars. By the time you get around to selling it, it's now worth $800,000 because you didn't sell it at the time of death or you, didn't, or you waited too long to sell it. For some reason, are you as a fidu- fiduciary responsible for that loss of $200,000? Uh, you potentially could be it, right. if it was unreasonable in what you did, right? I mean, if right. the market just went down because the market goes down, right? right. <laughs> um, and it wasn't necessarily your fault. No, you wouldn't be responsible. But you know what? If you were appointed and you waited two months and everything was heavily invested in one stock, especially, right. uh, you, once you're appointed, if it's heavily invested in one stock, you should liquidate. You know, you're not diversified. You, you, right. you're, you're subject to greater risk. So there's definitely some liability on the part of an executor. Right. Or if the executor is, um, is uh, in the wheels to sell a home, let's say, right? And they wait to sell the home, and the home is worth at four, and then maybe now they sell it at three because they want to get rid of it because they don't want to deal with having to wait for, you know, they're taking the first offer to come, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't want that responsibility at all. <laughs> and you got to make sure you kept the house insured and you have to make sure that you kept oil getting delivered so that right. the pipes don't freeze. And, you know, then it becomes right. What if there was, wasn't a lot of other payment, money? And the mortgage payment has to continue to be made. Correct. So right. you don't foreclose in the house. There's a lot <laughs> that, that goes on. Because <laughs> yes. it can take months and months to sell a house. Especially uh, depending on the real estate market. Uh, right, know. exactly, exactly. And, all right. Um, and, well, and one thing I encourage yeah, when you meet with an attorney. Sure. You want to feel comfortable with that person, like somebody like Paul. You don't want somebody who's going to talk over you. You want somebody who's going to explain everything. Please ask questions, even if they sound dumb to you. Right. If you don't know, it's better not to know and ask the question than to find out later. For instance, if you're appointed as an executive, you're appointed as a trustee. What is a trustee? What is a trustee? 
Okay, if you're a trust, a trustee, what does that mean? That's That's got fiduciary responsibility also, It right? does, yeah. I mean, similar to an executor, but it's a longer role that you're going to be playing generally. Um, and, and to your point, when you're speaking to your attorney, they should know the answers to these questions you ask them. Okay. Right. Uh, they, they should, it's not, these aren't new questions. Other families have had these same situations. So if your attorney's not sure of the answers to, to things and repeatedly says they have to get back to you, they may not, you know, have a lot of experience in estate planning because in the lawyer world, we're just like doctors nowadays. We specialize. Well, I want to learn when we come back from the commercial break, I want to learn the difference between a trustee and I want to learn the difference between an executor of the world. Cause that's interesting. One is more long-term, one is more short-term liquidation sales and division of assets i also want to learn about you about where you're from everyone knows neil already for a year already but we want to know about where you're from where you went to school why you chose this area of law to go into and um do you feel as though uh you offer more services than other estate planning attorneys we'll be back after this my name is david levenstein this is back to business on 103.9 atlanta's radio And we are back. Thank you for sticking around. My name is David Levenstein. And we are back to business on 103.9 LA News Radio. If you're a business owner or a professional, I really want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. Long Island needs to hear from you. Contact me at my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. That's my show at jvcbroadcasting.com. Guess what? You may have a show idea, and I'd like to hear about it. At jvcbroadcasting.com. Anyway, uh, my guests are Paul H- Paul Hill. I almost said Heil, but Paul Hill. It's H-Y-L. Interesting uh, spelling of that last name. We'll talk about that. Uh, Paul Hill, he is an attorney, estate planning, and elder law attorney out here on Long Island. He's got three offices, in fact, two in Suffolk and one in Nassau County. So go to Hill, H-Y-L, law.com, H-Y-L, law.com. And, of course, I have Neil Himmelstein. You can listen to him every Friday at 3 p.m. as he hosts the Main Street Code to Financial Success. And his website is MainStreetPlanningGroup.com, MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. Before the last segment ended, we were talking about the difference between a trustee and an executor. Paul. Yes, so the executor is the one who gets appointed when you first pass away to collect your assets, pay your bills, and divide things up the way you said in your will. Uh, Now, sometimes that is into a trust. You may set up a trust for your kids because they're young. Okay, you may have a disabled child that you want to set money aside in trust for because they cannot manage it themselves. Sure. And then a trustee takes over, right? And the trustee is a more long-term role, as we said. Right. Because they're going to invest the money and distribute it out, as you have said, in your trust or, right. or in the trust in your will. So if it's a young child, you might be you know, paying for their everyday expenses of, of needing to be raised and, and going to school and sports and stuff. Right. Um, and if it's a disabled child uh, who might be an adult, you've got to plan much more long term right? because you know you're going to need that money to take care of them. For now, a trustee life. could be a family member. It can. Okay. Yes. Should it be a family member? Uh, so it depends on the situation. Quite often... Uh, family members are appropriate. Right. Okay. They're they're the uh, the Johnny on the spot, if you will. They know when the, you know the minor child or the disabled person needs money. Right. Um, other times, depending on the amount of money we're talking about, uh, sometimes you want a professional. How do you? It's kind of a strange question, or maybe not, because it's probably something you've heard before, both of you guys, with a insurance policy and with um, a beneficiary or a trustee rather on an estate. Um, so I pass on, I have a trust, I have an estate planning attorney. There's nothing I can do about it. They, they could really rip off the estate. I mean, is that possible? 
a trustee? I mean, possible. Sure, it has happened, right? Obviously. Yeah. Um, nefarious people are going to do bad things. Right. Okay, so. Right. Yeah, bad people do bad things, right? <laughs> but sometimes family members sometimes get a little greedy. I need the money. I'm going to say it's for the kids, but it's really for me. It's going to make its way back to me somehow, some way, because I have to care for these kids. Do they get a fee? Uh, so, two two. two answer to that yes they get a fee they're entitled to commissions unless you say otherwise in, okay. in your will um, and the other is I actually have that conversation with clients about who they're naming as trustee right uh, versus who they might be naming as guardian for their kids mm. right and to the should extent, they be the same person well and to the extent they are the same person right uh, you know there is to your point potential right so if I'm raising my, my sister's kids now and I'm also trustee of their money uh, you know I, I need a, a minivan to drive them around to soccer practice so I'm I'm going to get the Mercedes minivan maybe instead of right. uh, something more reasonably priced. Or maybe I decide, you know, they really could benefit from an infinity swimming pool in my backyard, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is on my house and now it's adding to my value. So there, there is some ability mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, be perhaps uh, self-dealing, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially if you're the guardian. Okay. So correct. I'm okay. The parents pass away. I'm the aunt. I'm taking the, I'm going to raise these children. There's a million dollars or $2 million in the trust, whatever. I am now the trustee and I don't have a pool, but I think the kids would like a pool in the house because it's important. Now they have stepped out. The family's a lot bigger. I can't afford to go on vacation. I'm going to put a pool in the backyard, but that is self-serving. It is. But, but it's also for the kids, too. I was going to say, but it also benefits the kids. And, and so if you had different <sighs> people, if you had a different trustee versus the guardian, yeah. uh, you know, then there'd be discussions about potentially the size of the pool. Can we both contribute? Maybe it's a loan. And when you sell the house in the future, whenever that might be, uh, you'll pay the kids trust back. So there's discussions. Right. That but could you be can had. say uh, this money is you're the trustee. This money is for their college education. This money is for their first department. I mean, you, you can say in the will what this money and what the purpose of this is for, right? Correct. You can, you can be limiting or right. you can be very broad in the discretion the trustee has. Oh, I'm limiting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that is, uh, so now Neil, with insurance policies, right? The beneficiary, let's say the beneficiary, let's say the parents die and the kids are young. Right. Right? And they're the primary beneficiaries. What happens with that money when, when a 10-year-old gets it? Well, un un unfortunately, when that 10-year-old becomes 18, that money is theirs. How about uh, until then? Uh, until then, uh, it ha a guardian has to be appointed if one is not done. But let's, so, say, let's say people were not responsible enough and they, they said, oh, I put my kids and my kids get the money. Where's the guardian? I mean, who? Well, oftentimes the court might have to appoint a, one. And it could be a grandparent. It could be an aunt or an And then or there could be controversy because one grandparent may want to be the guardian. Another grandparent might want to be guardian or, or, or a sister or a brother or a sibling. And, you know, planning eliminates problems. Right. I, I could tell you situation after situation where people don't even have a basic will and they're 70 years old, they have a house and they have three children. One child's doing very well. They mm -hmm. want to rent the house out. Right. The other child, uh, she wants to live there. Mm -hmm. And the third child just wants to sell it because they need the money now. Right. So what do you do? So now it's up to the three children to come to some sort of agreement. Right. That can lead to arguments, fights, and nobody wants their kids to be fighting over their remains or, or whatever, but at the end of the day, people have different expectations. Yeah, it it's got to be laid out and planned out legally, or you're going to have problems, yeah, always. This, this happened in families that I know. Where every, every, every where, where there are three kids and, and, and their parents die, they left them a house in the Hamptons, and the house is worth a, you know, a great deal of money, and one of the siblings... Right, one of the kids needs the money. 
right? They need the money. I don't want the house. I want the cash. And the other two say, well, we want the house. Well, then are they forced now to buy them out of the house? I mean, how does this work? And how, how do you avoid these problems, Mr. Attorney? Yeah, so, so the, the quick answer is yes, they can't be forced to buy out that person or forced to sell the house. Right. Unless the will made specific arrangements for what would happen in that situation. Right. But you can always contest the will, though. Uh, you can, but you need grounds, right? You can't right. just contest the will because you don't like it. Uh, you know, either oh, the person, okay. you know, didn't have the mental capacity when they signed it or they were unduly influenced or forced into doing it a particular way. You can't just say, ah, I didn't get enough or quote unquote, my fair share. So I'm right. going to challenge. But what happens if they can't afford to buy them out? Then they have to sell the house. Uh, correct. Yeah. Any, any owner of a house, if, if there's multiple people that own a house, right. any one of the owners can force a house to either be sold or force the other owners to buy them out. Right, I see. It's that. an either or. Okay. I'm speaking with Paul Hill, P A U L, Paul Hill, H Y L, and the uh, website is hilllaw.com, H Y L law.com. And of course, Neil Himmelstein, the uh, host of the Main Street Code to Financial Success, which you can listen to every Friday at 3 p.m. Um, Neil, how do you guys work together to benefit a client? So, in, in, the, plan, in the planning process, right. you need protect your assets through insurance products. Right. Um, we, we hope to be solution providers with those products. Mm -hmm. um, some of the solutions to people's planning or everything are legal. Some are financial and sure. some are in protection. So we integrate with one another and bounce concepts and ideas off one another to help the client. At the end of the day, we act as a team mm -hmm. for the benefit of the client. Right. So the client, we're going to evaluate everything they have where they want everything to go, and then if we need to fix it, we'll fix it. Right. If we want to make a recommendation, they need more coverage because they're going to have a tax situation sure. or something like that, we address it. When should a beneficiary of a life insurance policy be uh, named into a trust versus into an individual? Does it have to do with the amount of money in the policy well, or, or just the desire of what to do with the, um, the, uh, the amount paid out? Well, what people don't realize, and Paul had mentioned it early, is that a life insurance policy, that death benefit, mm -hmm. even though you may not have, maybe you only have what you think is 100,000 assets, but you have a million dollar life insurance policy. Sure. That's part of your estate. So mm. all of a sudden, that's, you know, if it's individually owned, right. that's part of what you own. Now, some people have their kids own their policy, right? Uh, which is now their ownership. So at death, it's their ownership. So there's or the, there's you the can owner? have a trust on it. Well, let's describe that. Let's just discuss that. There's the owner of the policy, and then there's the insured, right? You have three parties to any insurance contract. There's the insured, yep. uh, the owner, right. and the beneficiary. So let's... They who, could be three who's the owner? I, mean, I, they know, could I, be, I have life insurance, but I also own the policy. They could be three separate parties. So, so uh, someone else can write insurance... And own the policy on my life? So your wife could own, let's say, your policy. A trust could own your policy. Your children could own your policy. Or you could own your policy. So the difference is, at death, how is that counted towards your estate? So huh. if it's inside what they call an irrevocable life insurance trust, it's completely outside of your estate. So if you're a life insurance, if I'm the insured, right? Correct. And my life insurance policy... Like most people, they go to a life insurance agent, right? They, they they buy life insurance policy. So they're the owner, they're the insured, and then their wife or their kids, whatever the beneficiary. But 
if you set up a trust with an attorney like you, Paul, right? And now the insurance policy is owned by the trust. And I'm simply just the insured. Right. And the trust owns the policy. Correct. And it could be regardless of the amount of the policy, I don't, that money is not mine. That, that, I mean, it's not part of my estate. Correct. And, it, and depending on the trust. Depending on the trust. It's got to be an irrevocable life insurance trust. So you could set yes. up an irrevocable life insurance trust, have insurance for your kids, and that money will not be a part of your estate. Correct. And therefore will not be taxed uh, if there's an estate tax that you would otherwise be subject right. to. Right. Why doesn't everybody do this? Well, sometimes they just don't know about it, right? They weren't told right. uh, to speak to an attorney or, or their uh, insurance agent right. didn't tell them about it. Yeah, the, this is important. Of course. This is important. People have insurance policies between the insurance, your house, your 401k, your IRA, all that stuff. People don't realize how much money they really have and what their tax consequence is going to be. And it's going to get lower. I mean, right. government is spending a lot of money. They need our money. And they can't get it while we're living. They're going to get it when we die. Now, right now, where you have a careful eye on the current legislation of what's going on in Congress right now. Yeah. Because one of the things to raise taxes to pay for this infrastructure and everything else is they're looking at grantor trusts. Grantor trusts. So if you have your life insurance policy owned by a grantor trust. What is a grantor? Uh, so, well, the grantor is the person who created the trust. And under the Internal Revenue Code, if you create the trust, but you know, depending on certain rules and, and certain strings you might keep. Who would be a grantor? For Give me an example. More... So if you set up a trust for your a life insurance trust that owned a life insurance policy on your life, you were the grantor. If it's just a, if a grantor life, it's a, so it's not a irrevocable trust, it's a grantor trust. Well, it, it, a grantor trust could be irrevocable or it could be revocable. They're not mutually exclusive. So. Okay, so so then, I, then I'm not understanding the... the um, so the, the terminology. So the difference in, in grantor trust is mm-hmm. a matter of control. When you talk about irrevocable or revocable, if it's revocable, I have control of that asset. So mm-hmm. to the government and the IRS, they say, okay, if you have control, we can tax you. It's yours. If still. you don't have control, then once you've given up that control in its entirety, then currently it's estate tax for okay so that's yeah, but, but like that's say, irrevocable so now what's a grantor well hold on irrevocable though doesn't mean you've given up total control irrevocable means you can't take it back you can't take the money right. back to yourself Correct. so you you can reallocate the money within the portfolio uh, you might have powers to do that you might have the power to change who the trustees are let's, change who the beneficiaries are let's say right. you, let's say it, the, the money let's say there's life insurance policy right and it's in the trust and the money goes to the irrevocable trust right mm-hmm. um and you, I receive this money. But let's say at one point I need this money uh, to provide an income for me. Can I, as a, if it's an irrevocable trust, can I take money out to provide myself with an income? So you cannot do that. However, the trustee might have the ability to take a loan from the life insurance policy and loan it out to you. Right. Uh, you'd have right. to pay it, pay it back. Although if you never pay it back and you pass away, that's fine as well. Oh, I see. Okay. So that's where this trustee becomes very powerful again. Right, right. Because the trustee essentially has to do do certain activities uh, for the benefit of you, not for agreed benefit. There's there's certain requirements for that mm. fiduciary word comes in again for that right. trustee. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so, it's important to have a lawyer or an, or an attorney who, you know, knows this field of law because there's a lot of internal revenue code sections that could trip you up. Right. right. It's really important, folks, that you speak to 
people before i mean don't just do this on your own it's it's too complicated we don't take out our own you know you know appendix when it bursts you know i mean these are things we plan so much take so much time planning a vacation you know more than we do planning what happens when we die or you know or or our retirement for that matter it's it's uh and you can't it's just go to people... any attorney. No. You have to have attorney that specializes mm. in the area of estate planning or elder planning or special needs planning. Uh, you know, these are specialties that can, if not done properly, yeah. can affect what you leave behind or what you keep. Listen, when you go to a doctor as we get older, we have a urologist, we got a cardiologist, we have a phlebotomist. We have all these different doctors that take care of all different parts of our body. And as we get older, we need more help uh, managing our finances, which is why you have somebody like Neil Himmelstein. That's why you have your financial planner, which is why we have Paul Hill, which is why we have a CPA. That's all part of your financial team to make sure that we are healthy financially, to live a long life, to have an income that's going to grow with us, to leave a legacy to our children, to not be a burden on our children. You know, that's not the legacy that I want to leave. Right. And all these things. Okay. Um, and can I take that? Yeah, actually, can I just take your analogy one, one yeah, step yeah, further? Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. Uh, you know, the, the advice that, that the doctor gave your neighbor yeah. for their ailment uh, may be different advice than the doctor is going to give you yeah. because of the facts and circumstances. Well, in our world, it's, it's the same way. Just because your neighbor... Uh, did a trust one way or has a particular life insurance policy uh, doesn't mean that that's right for you. Yeah, you go to. The, I don't call my neighbor and say, "Hey, what are, what are you taking for your sinuses?" I'm going to go to my eye doctor and find out. Don't ask anybody. Just go to an attorney. Tell him your personals. You know, give give him the blood test, give him the litmus test that you need <laughs> to give your financial planner, your attorney, your accountant. Let them know exactly what it is uh, that they need to know to better help you. And with that, it brings the, everybody back to Neil. Because you're the one that's going to create, help people create that wealth and transfer that legacy that they want, right? Absolutely. That's, that's it? Absolutely? Absolutely. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah, no more than that. All right. In yeah. case you're uh, getting here at the uh, end, tail end of the uh, interview, I've been speaking with Paul Hill. He's a lawyer, um, elder law and estate planning lawyer. His office is in both Nassau and Suffolk County, a couple here in Suffolk County. And he is available uh, for consultation to speak with you about your any of your estate planning needs. And we all have them. I'm telling you, we all have them. Especially going through this pandemic that we had, people had such untimely deaths. And I hope uh, you didn't come across too much people that just weren't prepared. I, I did not, but I'll tell you, I had a, I, people procrastinate in this area. So yeah. I had a lot, a lot of clients where we prepared their will and they never came in to sign it. Right. Just putting it off, putting it off. Uh, I'll tell you, that all stopped with the pandemic. Everybody wanted to sign because it helped people appreciate that you know things can happen right. at any age. Right, and as far as life insurance goes, if you survive this pandemic uh, unscathed, I think this is the time right now to reach out to your financial planner and talk about insurance because there are some wonderful products out there which your financial planner will get through Neil. And if they don't work with Neil, what you need to do is contact Neil directly and he will point you in the direction of a financial planner who understands insurance products as Neil can. And his website is MainStreetPlanningGroup.com, MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. Also, listen to him every Friday at 3 p.m. right here on LA News Radio. And PaulHillLaw.com. No, not PaulHillLaw. It's just HillLaw.com, H-Y-L-Law.com. And you are just a Long Island guy through and through. 
Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised from Selden to Farmingville. You didn't go anywhere. Have you ever been to Europe? I I, I have, although uh, it's not, not until it, I was it, in my forties. So. Yeah, but, but it's no, <laughs> but it's no Selden. Yeah, no Farmingville, no Selden. Absolutely. I mean, we've got we've got the amphitheater in Farmingville, right? Bald Hill Amphitheater. We have a ninety-six point one. Yeah, we have our amphitheater. We have, you know something? I love Long Island. We're no more than twenty minutes from any beach. We got the vineyards and we got the Hamptons. We got Manhattan. I mean, I I really. I'll be honest with you. I love, if people can afford to stay here, I suggest Long Island is a great place. We got great schools. We got great restaurants, great pizza, great bagels. And I don't know what more that I need. Right, pizza and bagels. Can't right. get, yeah, that's it. Uh, um, no, you can't. What's your favorite pizza place here? Oh, I, I don't like to play favorites. Okay. What, I, what's your go-to then? I like to travel around. You don't I have don't a go-to? I, I, Give someone a plug. Who do you like? Uh, La Vespa of Manorville. La Vespa of Manorville? Yes. Huh? We'll give them a How plug. How about you? I, I don't have a favorite pizza place. I try and stay away from the carbs. <laughs> okay. But if, you, but, but, if, but if you weren't, uh, you are very dedicated to your no-carb diet. We went off for lunch. You had, no, your, you I, had your turkey burger and cottage cheese. I, You're I, good. I, listen, I've got, I've, it's not a no-carb diet, but it's, you know. I it's a low-carb, yeah. I have five pizzerias yeah. right in my neighborhood right. within walking distance. Mm. And I have relationships with all of them. And right. I don't want to offend anybody. There are all some great people there. Right. Uh, Anton's is right by me. They're great people. There's right. Al Italia. Brothers Ford have been there forever. They, yeah. There's I, certain, I know Brothers Ford. That's great. There's people. certain things that each Michelangelo's at each different pizzeria has. I'm a Coliseo that's fan. That's different. That's different. That's C- terrific. You uh, know? Co- co- for me, Coliseo's and Branchinelli's, the best pizzerias on Long Island. I, yeah. I, I love them. Yeah. Cafe Spiga, too. In Mount Sinai, it's fantastic stuff. Yeah. All right, folks, listen, my name is David Levinson. You've been listening to Back to Business on 1039 LM News Radio. Um, tune in um, every uh, day at some particular time, all different times. You can catch my show, Back to Business, and learn about all businesses on Long Island. Also, um, interviews with the hosts, the varied hosts that we have here on 1039 LM News Radio throughout our day. From personal injury attorneys to estate planning attorneys to insurance to financial planners to cops. We got some great programs here. But please stay tuned to uh, LN News Radio for more stuff for you right here.